Hey, good morning. It's Patricia Murphy. It's Monday. This is Seattle Now. Seattle food banks are giving it all they've got these days. In addition to hot meals, some spots are stocking the shelves with fresh produce and connecting people with services like a new driver's license. I didn't know they did all this. So I said, well, I'm going to take totally advantage of it. <laughs> they feed you here and they give out food. Wow. All of this comes at a high price with soaring demand and inflation. I'll talk with KUOW reporter Ruby DeLuna in a minute. But first, let's get you caught up. The Seattle City Council is scheduled to finalize the city's next two-year budget tomorrow. The process was delayed after the cooling economy caused a $250 million budget shortfall. The council has proposed raising vehicle license fees by $10 as one way to make up the difference. And tomorrow is Giving Tuesday, the one-day all-out fundraising drive for nonprofits across the country. It's a great excuse to support local groups doing wonderful work. If you're not sure where to give, try your neighborhood food bank. Like we'll talk about, they're coming up on a super busy time of year. And hey, you know what? We're also a nonprofit. There's a link to support KUOW in the show notes. Back in the day, UW's Scott Allard volunteered at a food bank in Chicago, and he noticed that the dumpster out back was filling up with peanut butter. We would find jars of peanut butter in our dumpster because they were getting jars of peanut butter from everybody. And they didn't need enough. You know, how many jars of peanut butter can you eat in a year? Really, is really, was really the question. Peanut butter. It's a very likely donation. It's shelf-stable, nutritious, and relatively inexpensive. But if nobody wants it, it goes in the trash. Today, Allard researches poverty and safety net programs at the University of Washington. And what he and many food banks in our region realized and implemented is choice. You know, being asked, what would you like? Or having the choice to, to pick something that you would like that might fit your food preferences or your cultural preferences. It matters to that daily experience and it matters to the trust that people build with those providers. Getting the food you need with a little bit more dignity goes a long way. KUOW reporter Ruby DeLuna has been looking into how food banks are trying to focus on community and choice. Ruby, really glad you're here. Thanks for taking the time. Hi, Trish, and thanks for having me. So you've been reporting on food banks in the region. What food banks are trying to give people more choice and and tell me how they're doing it? That's right, Trish. I'm noticing that food banks are shifting more to a grocery-style approach, which means instead of people coming in with bags or being handed a bag of food, they get to go into a space that feels like a store where they get to pick and choose what they need for their families. The food bank that I visited recently was Ballard Food Bank on on Leary Way, and it's a new space for them. And it does feel like a food co-op. Yeah, I noticed that in the University District Food Bank as well, that the shelves are far more open, that it's much more like a grocery store. I want to know a little bit more about the people who are using the food bank. Community is such a vague term, and I've seen the lines. They are long. And I see all kinds of people showing up in that line. What do we know, though, about the people who are using the food bank now? And who did you get a chance to meet? Yeah, it's mostly people trying to stretch their budget. Scott Allard mentioned that, you know, if you want to get a sense of the precarity of the community, just 
look at food banks. That's like an early indication of how the economic situation is before you see it anywhere else. And so, yeah, a lot of folks who go to food banks are, are working multiple jobs who are trying to make ends meet and maybe who are one paycheck away or, you know, one car repair bill away from losing their homes. You know, I heard earlier this year, Ruby, that there were people who were using the food bank a couple of times a week so that they could afford to put gas in their car, that they were using the food bank to supplement their budget. So with this as an option, they are able to survive. All right. We mentioned peanut butter at the top in terms of what's on the shelf, what's in stock and what's clearly not in the pantry right now. Well, more and more food banks are are requesting and buying fresh produce because people have requested that, you know, they've been able to work with uh, groceries and retail partners who are able to provide that. And some of them have gotten creative. They have worked with pea patches or farmers who will grow some of the produce for them. And some of them are even planning on having their own gardens. There's more of a, a shift again to, to providing foods that are, that are nutritious and culturally relevant. At uh, Rainier Valley Food Bank, another place that I visited, they offer things like mustard greens, collard greens, um, halal meats. Food banks are trying to provide what their clients are requesting and what their clients are, are used to having. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious about the challenges in trying to offer people more choice because I wonder how the rising cost of food and inflation might change what's available and what food banks are able to buy. Because intention is one thing, but feasibility is something totally different. You're right. Uh, as you know, demand has grown, especially since the pandemic. And food banks have been really terrific in, in trying to meet the needs of, of people. But that's also coming at a cost. They were able to get assistance, federal assistance through COVID emergency measures. And that has definitely helped. But, um, everyone is feeling the pinch. And then with retailers, they are also getting hit with supply chain issues, which is another reason why they are not able to donate as much to food banks like they normally have. As a result, food banks are shelling out more money in order to buy food to donate. Jen Musay, who is the executive director at Ballard Food Bank, said, you know, before the pandemic, our food budget was about $300,000 a year. Last year, it was one and a half million dollars. So it's, it is a concern, but they see the, their mission, not just feeding people, but connecting them with services. And overall, it will help them stay stable to not become homeless. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I love the detail from your story about the Rainier Food Pantry and the redesign to give people that shopping experience. And like I said, I've noticed it in the U District as well. But it's also a big shift for people. And I'm curious how people are adjusting to that pantry shift. Food banks have, are, are, are becoming a one-stop uh, shop for 
a lot of folks. So it's not just a place where people can stretch their budget, but it's also a place for folks who, let's say in Rainier Valley, they have mobile showers. So that's one place that they can get some food, get cleaned up and move on with their day. Other places like Ballard Food Bank, there is a little office where providers, healthcare providers can see patients. They also offer space for people to use computers, you know, for job searches. There is also an office where people can receive low-cost vet care <laughs> for their pets. So increasingly, you know, food banks are becoming more than just a place to pick up food. And I think a lot of social services are evolving their practices so that that central piece is more of a hub for people to visit to access all kinds of services. You see that with the needle exchange. You will see that with the courthouse now, right? It's all a lot of places. So Ruby, food banks have come a long way and some have evolved with the needs of their customers. But how can they continue to evolve as needs evolve. I think what's next and what is happening now is that more and more food banks are becoming a community hub. It's hard enough when when life is feeling tough and you feel isolated with food banks they're trying to be more than just, you know, a place to grab food and services, but a place to connect with other people. KUOW reporter Ruby DeLuna, really appreciate your time and your reporting. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Seattle Now. Brandy Fullwood produced today's episode. The show is also produced by Caroline Chamberlain Gomez, Vaughn Jones, Jenny Cecil Moore, and Claire McGrain. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. Seattle Now and KUOW Public Radio are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Patricia Murphy. See you tomorrow. Thank you.